This podcast contains adult language and mature themes, which may not be suitable for all listeners. So listen at your own fucking risk. Welcome to Essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Tommy. And I'm Addie. And you're listening to Series 9, Episode 18, Life, Liberty, and Vengeance. And let's start it off with some announcements. The first announcement is the thing that we've been working for for three years. The Manifest Kickstarter is live. You should go there now. The link is literally everywhere. If you follow us in any capacity, you've already seen the link probably. It's even in the show notes. If you love us and you've loved listening to Manifest and you want to play it, now's your chance. Go to the Kickstarter. Pledge. We are so excited and so thankful for all of you guys and everyone who supported us along the way uh, please go click the link check out the page and pledge that's all i got about that it speaks for itself so i will be moving straight on into the second announcement the results of the poll for series 10 we've got monster of the week beat out Shadowrun. uh pulp cthulhu topped star wars Blades in the Dark eked out a very narrow victory over 7th Sea, and Fate Core won out over Leverage. So there are the winners from last week. Uh, so go vote and decide the winners this week. The matchups are Monster of the Week versus Pulp Cthulhu and Blades in the Dark versus Fate Core. We're so excited to play what you guys want to hear, and so make sure you tell us what you want to hear. So once you've finished uh, checking out the Kickstarter page and hopefully backing, go straight on over to the next link we've sent to you and go vote and tell us what you want to hear us play in Series 10. We're so excited to play whatever you guys pick, and the cast, I can tell you, are very invested. So go do that now. Hit pause. Welcome back. (laughs) (laughs) Our final announcement is just a quick reminder to send in your questions for post-game chatter. For those of you who don't know what post-game chatter is, at the end of every series, we collect questions from the listeners and answer them on the air. These can be questions about the campaign, the podcast in general, or anything else RPG related. If you send in a question, we will answer it. So don't be shy. Send us your questions on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud, Patreon, the Essential NPCs website, or just by emailing us at EssentialNPCsPodcast at gmail.com. The deadline for postgame chatter is March 8th. That's next week. A few days after episode 19 airs. So if you have some questions now, don't risk forgetting them. Send them in. And if you have any questions after listening to episode 19, shoot them our way. If you wait until after March 8th, there's no guarantee that we're going to have your question before we record post-game chatter. So don't wait. Send us in some questions. And those are our big three announcements. So let's move on into Words with the GM. Hello. Hello, GM. Hello. This Words with the GM is about Series 9, Episode 17, The Valancourt Legacy. We know we missed Words with the GM for Episode 16. Uh, However, in this Words with the GM, I want to draw attention to a single moment that happened in the last episode that sort of got glanced over. 
after the trap is triggered and the player characters are plummeting downwards into a cave we see Pops take what could be mildly described as a pretty big spill. He doesn't roll so well on his gymnastics test to avoid the falling damage, and he ends up taking 30 whole damage. The thing that some listeners may have missed was when Seth nonchalantly announced that 30 damage would leave him with 4 hit points remaining, so he'd rather take an injury. Which led to a a great dramatic scene where we finally got to see Cyrus go full doctor and prevent the loss of Pops' arm. But some listeners may recall when we were discussing damage and hit points in our earlier episodes, I described how before any special talents or armor modifications, the maximum damage a standard character can take is 32 damage. Here we have Pops claiming to be able to take 34 damage before he goes unconscious. That's because Pops mechanically is built to be a tank. He's actually one of the only characters, Badlands Pete included, who really invested in high durability. And in the last episode, we see how it can really pay off. He's also the only character we've seen with a shield. Often when I call for a defense test, we kind of default to calling it dodging. But the fact of the matter is, dodging is just one of the ways a character can defend themselves in combat. To dodge an attack, a character can choose to roll athletics, which is linked to the muscle attribute, or gymnastics, which is linked to the finesse attribute. However, there is a third way to avoid damage called deflecting. This is a skill tied to the durability attribute. A character may need a shield to deflect, but it allows characters who have very high hit points due to a high durability attribute to even further increase their survivability in combat by giving them a way to defend against damage altogether. And deflect is actually a pretty special skill because it's one of the few skills that you can use in a reactionary way. When one of your allies fails a defense test, you can actually spend some of your initiative out of turn to use deflect to try and protect your ally from the damage. There's not a whole lot of times in Manifest when you get to act out of turn, but deflect is one of those few exceptions. A character with high durability and a shield is a game changer for a group of drifters. Up until now, we've seen Juliet and Clayton dodge countless attacks no problem, but that's because they're mechanically designed to be sort of glass cannons. They deal a lot of damage on their turns, but they achieve that by not investing a lot in durability, so it's important for them to be able to dodge really well. As a result, having someone with a massive amount of hit points and a shield around, like Pops, could end up being the thing that stops Clayton or Juliet from going down due to a single big hit from an unlucky dodge roll. Yeah, I was totally shocked when Seth was like, oh, Pops can take that, but it's a lot of damage because I literally built like the first iteration of a manifest tank and he didn't have 34 hit points. So it was amazing and crazy that pops could take that much damage and and really shows how the talent trees and really growing into a specific build can become extremely powerful much like a gunslinger for juliet uh, pops's just tanking ability is off the charts but to keep things moving along uh i want to know what your favorite part is my favorite part is pretty easy it's the squonks (laughs) Squonks are a pretty fun creature in Manifest. They are based on some American folklore about a very strange creature that is 
hideous and so, like so sad that it cries itself into a puddle of salt water. It's it's really weird and uh and I was like I have to figure out a way to make a make a like a beast or a critter out of this. And I'm really really happy with what I came up with. This kind of like defense mechanism they have to like liquefy themselves. <laughs> They're these really weird kind of alien feeling creatures and uh totally cute if you can't actually see them. I think they come across as very cute in the uh in the last episode, but they are really kind of grotesque looking little creatures and hopefully once the Kickstarter is funded, we will be able to feature some squonk art in the final version of the rule book but what about you what was your favorite part uh we already touched on it a little bit pops took an injury uh and it was a terrible terrible injury and so out of the things that he could end up with he lost an arm which is sort of for lack of a better term infamous in Tommy's games uh, is he seemingly loves to uh, remove limbs from his players <laughs> characters we did see it a little bit uh, in series eight with Jax's leg the injury system is just like really cool in general to me and I'm, I'm really happy with how it developed uh, but uh, this this instance when he could have taken literally any injury and it could have been anything but no of course of course it was an arm and of course it was detached luckily cyrus is truly a doctor um just like the medical license says so uh <laughs> he was able to reattach it and we were able to move on uh on our way uh but it was just a great moment uh for a lot of reasons um from behind the screen and then also just play testing manifest yeah, I actually got a text from Dan Barron, who played Roy Hampton. Uh, he, he was playing the character in Series 8 that got his leg all busted. And he sent me a text saying, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it if the dice randomly roll loss of limb. That's just how things go. You can't see it, but there's definitely air quotes that I'm doing right now around randomly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Well, that's enough about that. The, the four of you are still making your way through the belly of the mine of Constance Grove, and I'm dying to see what happens next. So without any further ado... Let's move on in and listen to Series 9, Episode 18, Life, Liberty, and Vengeance. Enjoy! Greetings, I'm Clayton Sawyer. You may not have heard of me, but I'm one of the best bounty hunters in the Badlands. I got a few advantages, you see. First is sugar, Maache, and even though I only found her a few years back, my best friend. She was the runner for a herd and probably couldn't keep up and was cast out. And I know how that feels. So me and her bonded, and she grew up right with me stepping in as her daddy. The second edge I got, hunting bounties, is that I'm illuminated, and my abilities grant me an advantage that most of the nastiest outlaws ever got bountied can't compete with. The thing about being illuminated is that those same abilities that give me all those powers and advantages are also unsubtle to most folk. They can understand a gun or a knife, but they can't quite figure the threat someone like me might be to them. That's why me and Suge are always moving, hunting, and on to the next bounty, leaving people behind before they can make us get. One day, me and Suge are going to pull in a big bounty, and we'll make enough to settle into our own homestead where we can be ourselves and ain't nobody going to try to drive us away again. We'll wrestle cattle, do some farming, and live a quiet life on our own little slice of the Badlands. You can call me Pops. 
Pops Mulligan. I see you're eyeing the preacher's garb. I'll tell you, this trench coat's seen me through more decades than I'd care to admit. I'll never forget the day they put it on me when I graduated seminary. My mother, saint that she was, sent me there to get educated. She spent nearly every spur she had, earned each one by the sweat of her brow cutting ice for Liberty City's well-to-do. I always figured I'd inherit the family business, but when I lost this finger to frostbite, she told me, Elliam, I don't want you working with those hands ever again. You're going to become a preacher. Good triptych woman, my mother. She'd have tanned my hide if she'd lived to see me become an undertaker. Still, there's something balanced about working with your hands and your mind in tandem. Helping those near to death pass over, laying them to rest with seeds from the tree of life, and tending to them as their spirit makes the air just a little bit easier to breathe. I've been undertaking in Liberty City since, oh, back before the Battle of Waypoint. Back then I was still a husband and a father. My son grew up to be an executive in the business sector. I never really did understand his job exactly. Buried him just a couple of years back. I aimed to make the man who put him in the ground hurt. I'm rambling, I can tell. <laughs> the trademark of being an old man, he just never seemed to be able to keep quiet. Alana's blessings to your friend. My name is Juliet Hunt, and I've been a drifter nearly my whole life. My parents were killed by bandits when I was far too young. I only survived because a gunslinger named Avery came along and rescued me. Being that I was an orphan, he took me under his wing and taught me to shoot like him, passed on the craft, like a father to a daughter. After Avery died, I drifted alone for a time, until happenstance brought me to Cyrus Finch. He's loud, flashy, full of cockamamie ideas, and occasionally a criminal. And I, I ain't any of those things. We ended up drifting together a long while and gotten to more than a few situations we never saw coming, including getting hitched. Like all drifters that live past their prime, we eventually hung up our irons and we settled down in a nice little town in the Badlands. Now, I ain't so retired that I won't oblige somebody who's in desperate need of a bullet. And Cyrus has to sate his itch to run a grift from time to time. But by our standards, it's a quiet kind of life. For a long while, it was a pleasant life. Until Cyrus up and disappeared without a word. Now, he ain't the most communicative individual. But I just got this gut feeling that something ain't right. And Avery taught me better than to ignore my gut. So I've closed up shop, took up my irons, and set out drifting again. My Cyrus is out there somewhere, and I'm gonna find him. And when I do, oh boy, he better be in need of saving. Otherwise, he's in trouble. Step right up, folks. Take a gander. Don't shove. You can call me Dr. Cyrus Finch, because that's the name on the medical license. I've got the miracle tonics you need to cure the ailments you don't, all available at a rate you can afford. Trust me, I've crossed every mile of Manifest solving all manner of problems, from gangrene to gang wars. It's almost uncanny how I manage to find trouble every single place I go. But that's what I got my wife for. She's a real pistol, in more ways than one. Any problem I can't solve, she'll, well, she'll put a bullet in it. We're an unlikely pair, certainly, but we fell in love seeking a cure for that age-old plague of Manifest. Drifterism. Maybe I'll even kick the habit myself one day. 
But until then, I got a two-for-one special on vials of Doc Cyrus's analeptic hoop snake oil elixir. For you, only five spurs. What do you say? The last time we left our drifters, they had entered the Constance Grove mine with the guide provided to them by Mayor Nathaniel Valencourt. Her name was Barbara Hutchins, and she was a little shady as she was taking them down an old path in the mine, and she was able to convince them to go along just long enough to get them into her trap, where she detonated uh, she detonated an explosive device that caved in a chamber on top of them. They did, however, survive the cave-in with little injury after Dr. Cyrus Finch did his work, and they went down the only path left to them, into the old caved-in Baitao chamber. There they found a small pack of critters called Squonk, who effectively led the team to a pathway that was not on the original map of the mine. Going down said pathway, they found themselves in a long tunnel heading in the direction of the elevator shaft. This tunnel showed signs of luminescence, and those signs increased as they made their way down it. Then they were confronted by two family members, and Juliet shot them dead. At this point, the four of you are in the tunnel. Uh, you're not sure if the shots were heard. Uh, there is a, a significant amount of commotion coming from the way you are heading. The sounds of loud machinery, people yelling, and just an overall cacophony echoes towards you, and it's hard to say if anyone heard the gunshots. What do the four of you do? Do we think they heard us? All that machinery going, it's hard to say. I draw the the uh, shock gun that Pops gave me earlier, and I'll uh, hold it ready. So, do we move forward? Let's keep your wits about you. The five of you begin sneaking your way up towards the lit hallway that those family members came from. Uh, and as you sneak up to that corner and kind of peek around, the noise is getting louder. Uh, and it's kind of a, a small little S-hook corner. It turns this corner, goes down a little bit, and that's where the elevator shaft is. You can actually see the, uh, the elevator there. Uh, it is currently at this level uh, with both gates closed. And then the path turns right at the elevator going down a ways. And that's where the, the sound of, of, of work is happening. We've come this far. Seems uh, we've got some proof, but I imagine that some, uh, some indelible proof is uh, in that next room. Yeah, it's possible we haven't seen what we need to see yet. But it's good to know we have an expedient escape route. Does it look like this elevator's functional? Uh, yeah, it, it, it looks like the same elevator that you took to the mid-level tier. All right, I will do my best to set this elevator up so that it's, like, ready for us to, like, run into and, and ride if uh, we need to make a quick escape. Uh, go ahead and roll uh, machinery to manipulate this elevator to kind of make it stay here and not, like, get called back up or anything like that. I'll do that. Uh, two hits. So you slide the exterior and the interior gates open. Uh, you walk in uh, and lean down and look uh, at like the panel that the, uh, the speed lever is on and you find a way to kind of detach the lever. And then you go and look at some of the like the guides that it's on and you, uh, you find like a piece of machinery that you can use to kind of clamp the elevator in place uh, to prevent it from moving up or down from this position. All right, Eliza, anything goes south? 
You know where to go. She sits there, nodding. She's very much in her head at this moment. She's uh, uh, not super vocal, and she just kind of nods. I will reload my guns, and um, I suppose it's time to march on in. Looks to be about that time. Okay, you guys continue down the hallway towards the source of the noise. It goes for a little bit, and you can see at the end of this hallway, there's like motion of some kind. It looks like it opens up into a larger chamber, and uh, I'm going to need sneak rolls from everybody to approach this, uh, this next chamber without being noticed. The number you are trying to beat is a nine. Pops has two net hits. I have one hit. I have four net hits. I also have four net hits. Okay, so the four of you move up, Eliza taking up the rear. As you uh, make your way to this uh, to this entrance and kind of take a look in, it goes far ahead of you and very high. This this uh, the size and shape of this chamber uh, resembles the third by uh chamber in the fact that it is not narrow and tall, um, but instead uh, uh, high ceilinged and long. Um, and you actually see that it, uh, it's split into kind of two tiers where you are. There's a, a, a ramp made going up to the left and then there's a ramp kind of going down to the, to the right. And there, that left half of this chamber is elevated above the right half and the mining tracks that you were kind of following to this point, uh, split, to, uh, uh, to go left or right. And you see, a large chamber of, people uh working and mining and uh you see cramped um housing units it looks like built into the the left wall where if if you like judging by the look of it it's a ramshackle structure uh very dangerous looking and uh it has it's basically like little people cupboards there's a a few uh people like kind of resting in there right now many of them are empty and they just have basically like some bed rolls in them and they're very cramped and dirty uh, and like jagged, sharp metal. And the workers you see, uh, many of them have uh, metal torques of indentured servitude. And also many of them do not. But all of them have uh, ankle chains that tie them to each other. Before we go any further, we should uh, line up our plan I would say from here on out, mental communication only through this uh, very useful link that Mr. Sawyer has set up for us. If at all possible, our immediate goal is to probably grab uh, some form of proof for the town that this mine is not what they say it is. Obviously, uh, probably the most useful piece of evidence would be a good chunk of luminescence. Secondary goal, perhaps we can do something for the people who are working here. But uh, we won't get the town on our side unless we have some evidence. I think we can kill two birds with one stone if we break these people out. Then we'll have witnesses and free prisoners. That is a good point. And looking around, you guys see um, all along the line of workers who are chipping away at the rock and and like and carting off just like chunks and chunks of rock uh, to be moved out of this chamber into somewhere else. There's easily over half a dozen uh, armed guards, family men by the look of them, by the, by the quality of their weapons. Um, uh, they are still wearing those kind of gray uh, jumpsuits over their clothing, but uh, you recognize one of them, Cyrus. You hear a cracking of a whip, and down a little ways on the lower path is a family member, uh, one, of, one of O'Malley's uh, trusted, 
his name is Larry. You never really caught what his last name was, but uh, people called him Larry Lou because he is illuminated. Ah, uh, hell. So he has a whip in his hand, just to be clear. Uh, yes, he does. And he is cracking it at the feet of, uh, of some of the workers who don't really even look like they're slowing down. It's like he's doing it for sport. Uh, Cyrus, you've never, I mean, you hate family members, but like Larry Lou was a sadistic fuck. I will uh, relay that to my teammates. I don't think we have any time to waste in taking this operation down. It's what, it looks like six of them. I think if we coordinate, we can take them. I just wish we had some kind of uh, vantage point for us to be able to look down and and, and uh, coordinate our efforts with with a better view. I, it looks like you'd have to be able to climb the walls to do that. <laughs> <laughs> vantage point, hey? Watch this. I'm going to use wall walker. Okay, go ahead and roll a somatics test. This is this <laughs> is the last of my shine. <laughs> Uh, two successes. I can climb up completely smooth surfaces. All right. And you will suffer no negative penalties for climbing. Uh, so, yeah, you guys, uh, uh, Clayton says, watch this. And uh, uh, he, like, kind of puts his uh, his hands out and, like, focuses his energy. And you see as, like, his fingertips kind of glow a golden light. And that warmth kind of fills, like, uh, his palm and slides up his arm and, and, like, fades into his skin, kind of, like, dimming slowly. And then he turns and uh, almost like a, a spider, uh, he, like, jumps and uh, just a, his hands and feet attached to the wall, and he starts really quickly climbing up, and, like, uh, there's, like, you know, little uh, divots that he's able to, like, jump and, like, stick his hands and feet to and, like, pull himself up more. Uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, Clayton, you can climb up. Are you trying to just get a little ways up the wall or up onto the ceiling? I think I'm going to try to get up as high as I can. Okay, given given how rough this terrain is and the fact that you're able to just climb smooth surfaces without penalties, there's no test or really anything for you to get where you need to go, uh, especially because it's not structured time or anything. But what does need to happen is you need to be able to do this without being noticed, uh, which is pretty hard because there's not really like a lot of space for you to hide. So it's like you kind of got to move quickly and like move side to side in a way that makes it so like your motions don't... Um, don't like fall into the vision of someone as they're looking around. Uh, so go ahead and roll a sneak test. It's kind of hard given the flat uh, surface you're or given the surface you're climbing. So we'll put it at a minus two. Uh, the number you are trying to beat is a 10 Clayton. Yeah, I beat that. How many net hits? Two net hits. All right, cool. Uh, so where exactly you're trying to get to? I want to see if I can see as much as I can. Okay. Yeah. You're able to kind of climb up and go around the curve. Are you going left or right? Which one did you say was going up? The left floor is elevated above the right floor. Okay, I'll go to the left. Okay, uh, so you go climbing. You're actually uh, uh, able to get above the, those like housing units uh, and kind of perch your way up there, and you can actually see the end of this chamber. About halfway down on the elevated uh, half of the floor, um, there is a uh, what looks like a, a large carved-in archway that some people are pushing carts down. Um, into some other chamber, some adjacent chamber. Um, but this chamber extends forward about 60 to 80 feet. And the elevated half of the floor and the lower half of the floor only uh, reconnect uh, at where you guys are. There's a, a couple ladders midway and at the end uh, to move up that some people can use to move up and down. But you really only see the guards doing that. You count five guards 
including Larry in this area, kind of scattered around a, a couple of them on the upper level, a couple of them on the lower level, and then Larry kind of moving wherever he wants. Mr. Sawyer, you are full of surprises. What do you say? Yeah, we, we get the distraction going. Dr. Finch, perhaps you and me should take care of uh, the chains and communication with the workers. My thoughts exactly. Mrs. Hunt, I suppose you could provide cover? That seems fine to me. So, Pops, what do you say? You go high, I go low? Excellent. Sounds good. How good of a shot do I got on uh, Larry? He's on the lower level, um, and as he moves through, you know, there's he's nearby some of the workers. You don't want to hit them, and uh, in the areas where he's moving where there's not workers, he's covered a little bit by, like, natural terrain as well as that, that like, elevated path in between you and him. Um, so he's got moderate cover from you, which is a minus two. All right, Father, I'd say this is a... An evil man I'm about to shoot. I'd say you're about right, judging from that whip. Watch out. Anyone who's here is going to be one of O'Malley's top guys. Don't worry, Doctor. I'll protect you. <laughs> I'm going to shoot at Larry Lou. So, normally for a sneak attack like this, the opponent doesn't get a chance to dodge. But as you squeeze the trigger, Larry Lou's head snaps up. Uh, and he dives for cover right as you fire. Uh, he rolled a 12 for dodge. I have two net hits on him. All right. How much damage is that? 12 damage, uh, four armor piercing. So he raises his whip to strike at another, uh, another worker with like a grin on his face. And then that grin goes away. He snaps his head up and then dives for cover. Like he was able to sense that you were, uh, that he was in danger. And as you shoot a burst, you tear up his armor and get a little bit of blood as he, uh, dives behind like a rock and shouts out. And I need everyone to roll initiative. Uh, I'm going to spend grit to roll another die. I will also spend a grit to roll another die. I feel like we're going to need all the luck we can get. I'll do the same. All right, what did everyone get on initiative? I got eight. Six. That's seven for Pops. Eight for Cyrus. So Clayton's shot rings out. Uh, he hits Larry hard, uh, and Larry ducks behind ca- cover and shouts out, and the, gar- the two guards posted on the elevated track and the two guards posted on the lower track immediately move uh, into position to fire up on you, Clayton, and I'm going to need you to roll four dodge tests. From them in your elevated position, you do have light cover. Uh, so you will be at a plus one to all of these defense tests. First one's high 14. So you kind of scurry along using your wall walking a little bit to like quickly hop over a jutting uh, stone to like drop down into like a little bit better cover as the bullets rake the wall behind you. Uh, and I need you to roll your second one. I got a 17. <laughs> All right, powered by the luminescent energy of your lithe power and able to move on this treacherous terrain up here without any hindrance, uh, you continue to uh, dart from flimsy cover to flimsy cover as the bullets ricochet around you. Uh, Here comes the third shot. You're up against an 11. Uh, I got an 11. Okay, they have two net hits on you with their rifle. You will take 12 damage with four armor piercing. As uh, one of them manages to, uh, uh, while spraying, uh, you kind of 
uh, they shoot down the cover you were about to go to, and you get caught in the open for just long enough for one bullet to uh, to uh, find purchase in your thigh, and you kind of stumble into into your new cover. And uh, attack number four. You are uh, currently up against a five, but I may be able to spend grit to augment that. What do you have? Uh, Fourteen. I cannot spend grit to augment it well enough. So, <laughs> so you're able to hit the deck, and the final string of bullets uh, fly overhead. And there's like a brief moment of pause, and and then someone's like, "Is he dead? What the hell's going on? What even was that thing?" And then um, Larry stands up from behind his cover, raising a, a modified pistol with an extended magazine, and he goes, "Nah, he ain't dead." And he uh, pulls the trigger and shoots up at you uh, some more, Clayton. Uh, another attack coming. His highest is currently a 10. Five. <laughs> okay, I will spend three of my grit, so Clayton, you can get a grit, for Larry to punch it and raise the accuracy of his weapon so he can count all these net hits, and you take 15 damage with two armor piercing. I'm going to take an injury. All right, go ahead and roll a d20 on the injury table. Uh, this is a class three injury. I got a 16, with, which means a fractured bone. All right, so uh, you're laying there for a second thinking the storm is over, and then Larry shouts out that you're not dead, and you scramble uh, uh, to your hands and knees to dive for cover, uh, uh, moving at illuminated speed. Uh, but he's able to track you, and he shoots uh, he shoots around you, um, not quite hitting you, but busting uh, part of the um, framework of the housing unit you're moving on, and you actually fall down into one of those cubbies as uh, as the roofing gives way, and you drop down into uh, into one of the top cubbies, and uh, in doing so, slam your your ribs against a, a jagged piece of metal, and you feel uh, you feel like a few of your ribs like crack, <clears throat> and you will now have a minus one to both your muscle and your finesse attributes. And then as he's moving to better cover from you, Clayton, Larry shouts out uh, or shouts out over the screams and shouts of the servants and the other guards. You hear Larry's voice booming uh, shout out to somewhere, maybe the maybe the adjacent chamber. Bell, do something. And uh, as soon as he shouts that out, Cyrus, you remember another thing about Larry Lou. He had a sister. Her name was Bell and she's illuminated, too. I will relay that to my teammates as well. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Belle, too. Yeah, watch out for her. Well, that's nice to know now. Well, I didn't think they were both here. If O'Malley has them both here, he really wants to protect this asset. Oh, hell. And running out of uh, running out of the adjacent chamber, you see a, um, a slender, dark-haired uh, woman uh, about uh, half the size of the looming figure of Larry Lou. Uh, and she comes running out with two additional guards um, who are trying to, like, assess the situation. And uh, she looks up uh, to where, like, Clayton is, like, pushing a, sh- a piece of sheet metal off herself. And you watch as her body disappears in kind of like an almost white glow and then reappear up in that same cubby with Clayton. And Clayton, she draws two knives and stabs at you. So I have 13. Well, her best is a 12, so you're still kind of clearing your head. You heard him shout out. You hear Cyrus tell you about this sister, and then she 
literally materializes in front of you using uh, her illuminated power to teleport a short distance. And she draws a knife and stabs down at you. And with your uh, with your illuminated uh, finesse and your uh, wall walking, you slam a hand down on a piece of metal and, and without having to grip it uh, due to your wall walking, you lift it up flat palmed and her knife stabs into it and pushes it off of your out of your hand. And then she's going to stab at you with her next attack. 12. She's got an 11. So she goes to stab at you again, and you uh, manage to kind of push yourself on the ground and kick out one of her feet, unbalancing her, so that the knife stabs into the metal right by your head. You're able to kind of scramble to your feet. And Cyrus, you are up. Okay. Uh, trusting that my uh, gun folk have me well covered, I'm going to rush out into the lower part of this mine and I'm gonna find uh, like there's like a chain gang of workers right? Yeah there's two of them there's one on the lower part and uh, a, a few on the upper part cart, uh, moving carts around Okay so I'm gonna go to the first one on the, the lower part and I'm gonna, be, and I'm gonna say uh, we're busting you out pass it on go on pass it on <laughs> Uh, go ahead and roll uh, manipulate to try and inspire uh, inspire courage in this obviously very worn, very terrified uh, actual slave that is down here. It's not my best work. I've got uh, one hit. So before he goes running off, he goes, who the hell are you guys? Who are we? We're Veronique's vanguard. Oh, hang on. Before you go, uh, I'm going to flashback. I'm going to spend four grit to have okay. in my bag of tricks a highly corrosive acid which looks a lot like my lemonade which is occasionally a problem but <laughs> i'm going to i'm going to pull that out and i'm going to douse uh, this uh, person's leg chain with the acid to dissolve the chain yeah you spend four grit and you now have three acid tonics in your inventory i could make you roll for it but you are very good at making tonics and the quality of an acid tonic uh only has a few minor effects so for this sake we'll just go ahead and put three standard quality acid tonics in your uh in your inventory no roll needed uh, and you uncork one of them and pour it on his uh leg chain and melts through and pops off and he looks down looks up and he goes all right spread the word then oh i'll hand him the other two and be like oh pass these on too do not drink. <laughs> he like stops and grabs it and goes, whatever you say, doc. And he goes, uh, uh, he goes running uh, uh, down the chain uh, to like kind of a group of three um, captives who are kind of huddled away from the gunfight. That was like a focused and a quick, right? Like that, that's my turn. Movement and talking would probably count as free actions uh, and giving him the acid would be like a, a quick action. Uh, so you still have a quick action left. All right, cool. I will uh, pull out the the gun that Pops gave to me, and I will aim it at Belle. Okay. Her elevated position does give her just a little bit of cover from you, so uh, you're at a minus one to hit her. I've got an eight. Even with the negative penalties of kind of being blindsided from a, a participant of this combat she wasn't fully aware of yet, she does get a nine. Okay. I miss. So shock, shock darts fly up around uh, you and Bell Clayton, uh, uh, ricocheting off the metal and kind of sparking as they do. As uh, as Cyrus kind of leans up and takes a, a pretty a pretty long range shot for a pistol. And then I'll you know find whatever cover I could find. Uh, yeah, you you're able to hug the rock that the uh, that the captive you just freed was hugging. And Juliet, 
It's your turn. I would like to um, shoot at the uh, men uh, up above on, on sort of o- overwatch. Okay, there are four of them up there now because two of them arrived with Bell. Uh, you're going to shoot the two that are closest to you? Yes, please. Well, the first one rolled a lot of very high numbers that are way outside of its target range, uh, so it can only count a five. Okay, that is uh, three net hits, which is 24 damage. No piercing. Uh, so, Juliet, uh, ever since you saw Larry Lou whipping uh, these these forced captives, um, your trigger fingers have been itching, and as your as your companions begin engaging in the fight, you put your hands on uh, your guns handed down to you by your mentor, and you close your eyes, remembering something he said once, where there's fights and there's battles, and you treat them differently, or you're dead. And as like the bullets start flying here, you re- you identify this as a battle. And so you say to yourself one of the mantras given to you by your mentor to center yourself before drawing your guns. Bring justice to those that are evil. They will not withstand my judgment. And as you say that you stand, as you say that to yourself, you stand up, drawing your guns, reach out and shoot with one uh, with one shot of your of your pistol. You knock down that guard. Uh, uh, he uh, gets blasted back by the supercharged uh, uh, bullet, and then you raise up your other pistol to shoot the second guard. You are up against a ten. That is three net hits, so twenty four damage. My fury is righteous. Their punishment swift. And you pull that second trigger, and a second guard goes down. Headshot through. Um, he spins and falls down, collapsed. I would like to spend grit to double down. Okay. You give yourself another turn. And uh, you continue firing on the remaining two guards on the elevated position. I would like to spend grit to play to the gallery. You're up against a 10. That is high of 14. So, so that's three net hits with 24 damage. Okay. I am a shepherd to the innocent. Their blood will not be spilled. And with 24 damage, that third guard falls down from that shot. Uh, you begin stepping around the cover, uh, uh, steel in your eyes, and you pull the trigger a third time, ending another evil life. And there is a fourth guard. I will again spend grit to play to the gallery. You're up against a nine. I also have a nine high, so that's three net hits doing 24 damage. I shall fear my zealous retribution, for my authority is absolute. And you pull the trigger. Or you pull the trigger a fourth time, and a fourth guard drops dead. You've now cleared all four guards up off of the upper path for pops. Uh, I will head down uh, toward Larry. Okay, that puts you uh, right up against the rock that Cyrus is leaning against. So you step around, speaking your mantra, uh, one of your mantras to yourself cold resolve emanating from you as you hand steady as a uh, statue shoot your guns four times ending four guards and then you uh, pull your guns back and then dart to the right going down the lower path having cleared the upper path and you press your back up against the rock that Cyrus is hiding behind I think it's like silent awe from Cyrus uh, if like they make eye contact nicely done honey it's been a while since you've seen Juliet in her battle mode. And Pops, it is your turn. Uh, so Pops is going to head towards the upper path and uh, the first string of people in chains he comes across. 
uh, he'll c come up to the person on the end and say, I don't know if you can tell, but we're trying to get you out of here. And uh, I'm going to shoot off the whatever's connecting the chain to the wall with my shoulder-mounted shoulder laser. Yeah, you're able to, to spot that. You turn your head, your laser follows your gaze. And it's a stationary uh, uh, target, and you don't even have any people on this level who are able to threaten you because Juliet ended them. So uh, you, you're not going to have to roll uh, a ranged attack. You can make this shot. So you shoot, and your laser carves through the chain, popping it free. And the four... Um, captives uh, beside you uh, kind of look to you uh, a little shocked, still trying to process exactly what's going on. Down that way, to the right. There's an elevator. Make your way for it. Uh, go ahead and roll Manipulate to inspire some bravery in them. Yeah, so that is two net hits. Alright. They look to you. They kind of like soak in your, your triptych uh, uniform. You see their eyes linger on the doctor patch on your shoulder and, uh, and they stand up and uh, 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 run together with their ankles still attached to each other um, uh, towards uh, towards Eliza. And you actually see as Eliza uh, uh, kind of stands up drawing Roy's hand crossbow, uh, but not firing it. Instead, just like waving for the captives to come with her. Uh, and she starts like guiding them down the hall. And I'll continue up the pathway toward the uh, little side chambers just to see if I can get a look inside. Uh, yeah, since you only used one quick action, uh, you can kind of double time it and make your way there using your other quick action to kind of gain extra movement. And you rush down uh, and like press yourself up against one of the mining carts. Um, it's full of uh, jagged rock and and um, rubble and just one of the chunks of stone. You see just the smallest glow of yellow. Uh, and looking over this cart uh, into this archway, you see uh, a very sturdy-looking uh, uh, walkway that kind of starts zigzagging upwards. You can't see how high the, the this chamber you're looking into goes. By the base, it does seem to at least match the structure of some of the other chambers. Very cylindrical in shape going upwards, and uh, with catwalks and walkways uh, zigzagging, it's, uh, zigzagging up and down. Uh, it looks like another exit here, friends, and I'll send them a mental image of it. Clayton, it is your turn. Uh, uh, a lot has happened in the few seconds uh, since this woman appeared in front of you and started stabbing at you with uh, with pristine curved uh, knives with kind of uh, spiked knuckle dusters around her fingers. What do you do? I'm going to get away from her and finish off her brother because it looks like she's not shooting at me where he is. Okay. Um, so you're going to try and uh, uh, pull away from her? Yeah. She will use her talent Punish Cowardice uh, to make an attack at you as you do so. Uh, so I'm going to need a dodge test. 15. She has a 12, so she swings at you as you try to pull away, and you're able to kind of duck and roll and then literally run up the wall of this little cubby to regain your, your upper position and then uh, drop down behind a, a, some light cover and take a shot on uh, Larry Lou. He has taken cover specifically from you, uh, so you will be at a minus three to hit him. And he has an 11. I also have an 11. You are the aggressor, so uh, how many net hits is that? Just one. Six damage. Uh, you get up there and you just you line up your shot just as he's kind of peeking around uh, his cover to get a, a line on Juliet and Cyrus. Spread, uh, you spread your shot up off the ground towards him and you clip his arm uh, as he was starting to raise his gun. And he lets out a shout and ducks back behind the cover. And uh, is it just those two still? 
Uh, well, it's there's there's Bell who's up there with you. There's Larry who's behind that rock, and there's two other guards who are on the lower level. I'm going to uh, spin four grit to double down. Okay, you get an extra turn. I'm going to shoot the other two guards. Okay, using your full auto uh, feature on your gun, you're able to target both of them with one attack. Uh, they both got 11s to dodge. Well, I got one net hit with a 16. Uh, six damage for armor piercing. All right, and you hold down the trigger and rake your fire all the way down. Uh, Cyrus and Juliet, you see dirt and dust kicking up. Uh, a bunch of uh, servants duck for cover, thinking that the guards are shooting at them. And Clayton clips the, the leg of one of those other guards and, and the shoulder of another, and they have to like kind of drop down uh, to try and position themselves better against him. Do I have enough actions to drink a tonic? You sure can. All right, I'm going to do that. What kind of tonic are you drinking? Well, I'm going to drink that healing tonic, try to get myself some breathing room. Okay. How many hit points does that restore, and what are the side effects? Uh, six hit points, restlessness, and stiff joints. Okay. So uh, you won't restore as many hit points and shine uh, when you rest, and if you happen to fall, you will be getting a, you will be taking a lot more falling damage. And uh, back to the top of initiative. Uh, I would like to spend four grit to cowboy up my last four grit to go first this round. And I'm going to step forward from cover. I'm going to pull out my useless device uh, and I'm going to light it up and I'm going to yell, all right, everybody, make your way out of here. Uh, things are going to get real hairy in here pretty soon. Hey, Belle. Hey, Lou. It's me, your old friend, Salvatore, the runaway. Remember me? I've got this whole mine rigged to blow, so lay down your weapons nice and easy. Uh, so you step out right out into the open, uh, uh, stepping around Juliet, revealing yourself to the uh, two guards on your level and, and Larry and shouting out upwards towards Belle, raising this device and turning off your digi disguise to reveal your face. They don't know you as Cy Cyrus Finch. They know you as Salvatore Mancini, uh, son of Carmine Mancini. And you see recognition in Larry and Belle's eyes uh, as like, they remember the chaos of the grift of a lifetime. <laughs> Go ahead and roll manipulate. You can have a plus four given your history with these two. Uh, I also have a talent called performer, which is plus two to manipulate a crowd with a theatrical performance. That's what this feels like. <laughs> I got that 16 high. They have an eight high. That is three net hits. So you're able to get their attention and convince them that you are absolutely, without a doubt, the biggest threat at this moment. But they are foolish and they hate your guts, so they're all going <laughs> to shoot at you. <laughs> That's great. I will spend my action uh, to activate my talent. I can do this all day. <laughs> and uh, that makes it so you do not take cumulative dodge penalties from multiple attacks in one go, uh, which is what's about to happen right now. As Larry and Bell simultaneously say, shoot that prick. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and the guards draw their attention away from Clayton and um, uh, the guards are going to fire on you. Also, before they shoot at you, take a grit, Cyrus, for doing something particularly heroic or perilous. <laughs> Uh, I will also get a grit for activating the second of my uh, advancement triggers. Uh, the first guard has a high of 12. 
I got a 14 high. Uh, so as expected, you, they raise their guns and you immediately duck and dart to the left uh, as the first guard pulls the trigger and the second guard fires. He's got a 10 high. Uh, I will spend those two grit that I just got so that I can count these two 15s. Uh, okay, I got a 15 high. <laughs> All right, the second guard fires on you, uh, missing. You see as uh, as Belle, completely distracted by your existence, throws her daggers up in the air, grabbing them at the end of the blade, and hucks two daggers at you. I have an 11 high. She's got a 12. Gets me. Uh, so you, uh, uh, you move uh, to the side as the guards fire wildly at you. Uh, one dagger hits the rock that you were heading to, making you kind of like back up and keep yourself open. And the second dagger uh, goes flying in. She will spend grit, so you can take a point of grit as she uses twist the knife. Uh, and you will take four damage, all of which is armor piercing. And uh, I need you to roll a negate test for me. Oh, uh, <laughs> I rolled two 20s. <laughs> oh, no. I believe that is the definition of a grave misfire. It absolutely is. So the knife uh, doesn't actually stick into your leg as much as it, like, gives you a thick gash across your leg. And you stumble back, and it, and it hurts. And then that pain spreads hot and fast up and down your leg. And you, you realize uh, that knife was poisoned and you feel the toxin quickly working up and down your leg. Uh, you take two extra damage uh, that goes straight to your hit points. Uh, you will be suffering a minus one to all rolls uh, until th this damage is healed. As your vision begins to like blur and uh, because you rolled a grave misfire to resist this deadly toxin, uh, turns out your immune system is going to be a little uh, compromised. I'm going to need you to roll a class four injury. Oh. I swear to God, if I traveled halfway around the world so you could die right in front of me, I will murder you myself. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I rolled a very appropriately five. I am a sitting duck. <laughs> that makes it so that all incoming attacks count one extra net hit that's not limited by their accuracy. Everyone, if they hit you, basically gets a free hit of damage on you. As uh, as you your leg, uh, affected by this toxin, feels like it's on sharp pins and needles every time you move it. The joints begin to like stiffen, the muscles uh, ache with sharp, sharp needle point pain every little mo motion you make. And all of a sudden, it's incredibly hard for you to continue being as slippery as you have been this whole time. <laughs> and at that, Bell disappears again and reappears next to you, Cyrus, picking up her thrown knives and running at you as I spend grit to double down with her. Oh, that's so fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, you can go ahead and roll a dodge test. I have another 11 high. She also has an 11 high. And so as she's the aggressor, she will hit you. Uh, Pops is going to uh, react and uh, using the talent Aegis, uh, that'll only reduce my initiative by one. And uh, I'm going to block that attack. I'm going to run. Uh, I, I have seen that Dr. Finch has been hit by the first knife, and I immediately start running down the uh, the path to protect him. I'm surprised to see that she's appeared out of nowhere in front of him, but I'm ready with, uh, with my shield to block it. All right, go ahead and roll a deflect test. You're trying to beat an 11. Uh, yeah, that is a 
15 high with uh, two net hits. So Cyrus, you, she appears next to you, picks up her knives, grins and walks up and says, Carmine sends his love and uh, pulls up her, her knife to stab at you. And uh, out of nowhere, Pops Mulligan jumps from his elevated position, landing down directly in front of you, his shield folding out from its handle in front of him. And he swings it up and her knife smacks right against it, bouncing off. And um, Pops, she's actually going to, uh, startled by you, uh, direct her second attack at you. Excellent. Uh, I've got no hits with this roll, but I am going to play to the gallery, which means that is two net hits. So she is buffeted by your your shield, uh, uh, by you and your shield appearing in between her and Cyrus, blocking her attack. And instinctively she swings again, but you're ready for it. You drop your shield down, blocking uh, your lower abdomen. And then at this point, uh, Larry comes out as you are uh, distracted by Bell, and he swings around to the side, raising his uh, his uh, modified pistol, and he's going to use its burst fire ability to shoot at both you and Cyrus. It's a higher fourteen for Pops. Uh, he's got an eleven. Uh, it's two net hits. And Cyrus, uh, I've got a, a straight. I've got a two, three, four, five high. <laughs> oh, no. I'll use E just one more time, and I will uh, block Cyrus as well. All right, go ahead and roll another deflect test. You're trying to beat an eleven. That is one net hit. So Larry comes around firing a a burst fire at both Pops and Cyrus and Pops swings his shield around blocking for himself and then runs with the motion of the gun uh, to continue blocking as the shots would arc towards Cyrus and uh, Larry yells out, fuck! (laughs) (laughs) And then he will uh, uh, raise up his whip and try to entangle you, Pops, to uh, prevent you from continuing to protect Cyrus. Uh, that's a high at 12. He's got a high at 9. So the whip comes swinging downwards, and you're able to uh, drop to a knee so that um, you can raise your shield directly above you. And uh, the whip can't quite wrap all the way around the shield at that angle, and so it slides off of it, and you stand back up uh, ready. Still not necessarily armed, save for your shoulder laser and holding this shield, having protected uh, Cyrus from that barrage of attacks. By all means, keep trying. <laughs> and Juliet, it's your turn. I will shoot at Bell. Okay, go ahead and roll. She only has an eight. All right, I have a 13 high. Uh, that is uh, three net hits with 24 damage. Uh, so Pop says, by all means, keep trying. And Juliet, as if to say, no, don't, steps out <laughs> around and just shoots Bell's head clean off. <laughs> and you have another shot, Juliet. I will shoot at the big guy. He also only has a nine high. I actually rolled very poorly. One net hit, which is eight damage. Well, Larry isn't moving as fast as he was at the beginning of the fight after Clayton put a few bullets in him. So eight damage is enough to finish him off. You blast a bell through the head and Larry lets out a shout. And before he can even move, you, uh, you shoot him through the heart and he stumbles back, drops down dead. Anyone else? Clayton, you're up. Is there anyone else? There's still two guards down the ways uh, uh, looking shocked, but not lowering their weapons as Juliet, Pops, and Cyrus make a spectacle of dispatching Belle and Larry. Well, I'm going to finish him off. 
Are you shooting at both of them? Yes, using full auto. Uh, one got an 11 and one got a 10. Uh, two net on 11, three net on 10. Which is how much damage each? 12 and 18, respectively, both with four armor piercing. Uh, that will finish them off. Uh, as you have already hit these guys, they try to scramble. Uh, your your gunfire rings out again, and they kind of snap out of their shock, and they try to swing their guns around to aim up, up at you, but you're already firing down at them, and you, uh, you pepper them with bullets, and they drop down dead. And we will drop out of initiative. Dr. Finch, how are you doing? Uh, I'm okay. Hang on. I'm going to reach into my bag of tricks here, my secret pockets. I'll pull out my tier two antitoxin, not remembering its its side effects at the moment and <laughs> popping that open and uh, chugging it down. Okay. That allows you to roll another negate test uh, and you get two automatic hits on it because of the antitoxin. Excellent. All right. I've got four hits then. All right. With that, uh, you are able to... Uh, end the effect of the poison and i will count that as removing that grave misfire uh class four injury um since it was like an additional effect of the poison that you are now curing um so you take a sip of it and you're you're like sitting there kind of stumbling grabbing your leg um you actually like see the cut uh the where your pants are cut you can see the the skin is black and almost looks like like it's decaying but then as you take a swig of that antitoxin and like like kind of cough a little bit and stumble you like sit there and you your breathing starts to level out and you look down and that kind of discoloration around the wound kind of fades slightly. And what are the side effects of that antitoxin? Uh, motion sickness and feeble minded. <laughs> <laughs> feeble minded will make it so your defense tests against insight powers are at a minus three. And motion sickness will make it so uh, you'll suffer some penalties if you're moving on a vehicle or mount. Uh, so the room starts spinning a little bit, but you're, you're stable and, um, and like you, you just have this kind of sense of like nervousness, but like, you don't know exactly what's, uh, what's wrong. Uh, just like this kind of jittery feeling, uh, from this antitoxin. Do you need a healing tonic too, friend? That's okay. I think I'm good on side effects. I, I might just try to patch myself up here. <laughs> just, just hold me still. <laughs> Pops does so. And I'm going to try to operate on myself with my med kit here. Okay, Pops, you can uh, you can assist him here uh, with first aid. Guide his hand to make sure he's not uh, stitching up something that doesn't need stitching up. And since you're operating on yourself, you're starting off at a minus two, Cyrus. And because of the uh, like dirtiness of the mine, it's an additional minus one. So you're sitting at a minus three before Pops assists you. Two net hits for Pops. So that negates the minus two, I assume. Yeah, so you're only at a minus one. All right, my first aid kit gives me a plus two, and I have four hits. All right, uh, so your med kit auto heals three hit points, and then because you have the talent field medic, every hit you get beyond that is an additional two hit points. So that's 11 hit points back to you. That's more hit points than I even have. <laughs> so yeah, you max out. Uh, you feel as right as rain as you can with your head spinning uh, and that kind of like weird jittery feeling like uh, like a cold hand running up and down your spine. 
Hey, is everyone all, all right? Quick check in. Eliza, how are the, the miners? Uh, she has entered back in, um, and you see that the one that you gave the acid to kind of uh, followed Pop's example, and uh, instead of uh, working on the individual manacles, like just like removed the the chains from the walls so that they could all uh, uh, escape. So there's there's like another group of four that Eliza's beckoning over, and another group of uh, four beckoning over, and there's a couple people who are uh, climbing down from their... Uh, from those like crude small uh, cubbies, uh, you'd put the count at about sixteen to eighteen captives here, and uh, you you see uh, a couple of them being comfortable enough to pick up the weapons of the fallen uh, family members, and you actually see Eliza uh, is talking to a pair of them that she seems to know. Uh, they are wearing uh, metal torques around their neck. And uh, she thinks back to you in, in response to your uh, message. I, I know some of these people. This is Stella Carver. She's, uh, I knew her growing up. She served my uncle. I, I thought that she had finished out her contract. He's holding people beyond their contract? That's not indentured servitude anymore. She, she looks to you uh, uh, kind of like saying uh, one moment to the people she's talking to um, and she starts coming towards you and still uh, at a distance where she doesn't want to shout and because you guys said nonverbal communication only for now, uh, she thinks back to you. None of this falls within the statutes of indentured servitude. The law of the governors is feeble at best outside the cities, but even deep into the badlands, they're not this barbaric. This is atrocious. Uh, agreed. Let's uh, see if we can clear this place out and get these folks out of here safely. I, I wasn't able to to fix the elevator. It also seemed like probably not a good idea to uh, to leave without you. If we crammed together really tightly, we could probably all fit inside the elevator. Otherwise, they say that that chamber over there um, uh, leads up to the mid-level tier. It's just quite a climb up uh, up the scaffolding. They say it's hundreds of feet high in that chamber. I would guess we've got another fight coming to us at the uh, at the exit to this cave. Perhaps our our best bet is to gather ourselves and prepare for that. Uh, it looks like some of these uh, workers are prepared to defend themselves if they have to. Uh, those workers actually w- are starting to walk up towards your group. I'm not a strategist. Which which is better, have us all together or have us split? Well, you know, together is usually better. I just don't know if everyone's up to make the climb. Oh, if you could do something about my ribs real quick, I should be all right. <laughs> oh, that's right. Clayton, I'm so sorry. You took a hard hit. I- I'm happy to have a look at you. Yeah, you can ro- roll first aid. Um, and Pops, uh, as, these, uh, as this group of people approach you, you can roll connections. And also, Cyrus, you can roll connections. As they're walking up, I'm like, yeah, yeah, all right. Doctor services, free of charge, just this once. I know you don't have any spurs. Uh, Pops just got one net hit. Uh, Cyrus has four. They're all low numbers, but it's not opposed. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, you're sitting there getting your med kit ready to operate on, um, Clayton, and you kind of glance up as this group, uh, approaches, you kind of, uh, talk at them. And, um, Pops, you recognize, uh, one of the men, he's shouldering, he's shouldering one of the, uh, family rifles. You don't, remember his name but you you remember his face in like a news report that uh was that he was a a deputy of liberty city um who you remember seeing a news report saying he was promoted to marshal and the marshals of factory towns uh kind of 
go around the, the neighboring settlements of the factory town, helping with law and order and helping maintain some of the governor's laws closer to the cities. Um, you have no idea why he's down here. You just re- like briefly remember seeing his face with a like, you know, dep- uh, uh, hero deputy promoted to marshal or something like that. And Cyrus, you glance up. Uh, and you recognize the the face of a woman uh, who is um, currently holding um, Larry's pistol, uh, and she uh, glances up to you, and you and you see her, and you get a a vivid memory of when you were um, when you were last in Freedom City, back when the Renzo family used to run Freedom City. Uh, you don't know her real name, but you know that she is a Renzo Jimmy. Uh, as far as you knew, um, O'Malley had wiped out or taken over all of the Renzo family holdings and and personnel. But uh, here she is with chains around her ankles, but you recognize her. And, you know, you just like a little drop in your heart seeing her looking at you holding a pistol. <laughs> yeah, I like eye her warily. You ain't pointing that at me, are you? She she looks at you and like you see like a tired energy in her eyes and she goes, no, Mancini, I ain't. Politics makes strange bedfellows, they say. Are there like bolt cutters or something around here? I feel like we could do something to alleviate this chain situation. Oh, yeah. There's tools galore all over here. There's pickaxes and and other mining equipment. Uh, You could easily uh, uh, get people lined up. Uh, right now, the most of the uh, captives are kind of grouped up in the entrance to this room. Uh, they were, you know, waiting for instruction from Eliza, and it's just, uh, it's just these two people who were recognized by Cyrus and Pops, uh, plus like another, uh, another two that no one recognizes, who have split off from the group and approached you. Um, but yeah, you can if you want to start getting, uh, getting that going, you absolutely can. I think that's prudent, so I will. I'll grab a pickaxe and I'll head for the marshal. Uh, Cyrus, you can roll first aid on um, on Clayton, and Juliet kind of uh, starts like corralling the uh, captives together as uh, she starts like grabbing tools and and like organizing uh, everyone, re- removing their bonds. Eliza starts helping out. Come here, folks. And um, the marshal, you walk up to, eyes you, pops. He doesn't seem to recognize you. I introduced myself saying, Marshal, my name is uh, uh, Pops Mulligan. I've seen your face in the papers. I uh, Last I heard about you, you were doing your regular rounds around Liberty City. How did you end up down here? He uh, cracks a feeble smile uh, and goes, <laughs> yeah, uh, I suppose they would uh, uh, post that. Uh, Tristan Holt, a pleasure to meet your father. Pleasure's mine. He shakes your hand and he goes, I uh, uh, never actually made it to Marshal. That was just a story they cooked up to explain why I wasn't in town no more. Oh. I had the foolish notion of looking into uh, corruption of the militia by Peter O'Malley, and, uh, well, I was on to something, and they took care of me. Awful clever. I didn't know the family extended into the press. That's a way to keep the people on your side. There's very little in, in Freedom or Liberty City that O'Malley doesn't own. He's built an empire now. Hmm. Uh, he looks around at your group and goes, not that I'm complaining or nothing, but what exactly angle are you playing coming down here and uh, uh, coming down here being heroes? Well, uh, we happened upon this little uh, luminescence plot quite accidentally. Uh, my compatriot was forced into the service of Peter O'Malley to start making stardust. And uh, 
He figured out where the source of the luminescence for that stardust was. So we decided to check it out, not knowing that we'd find uh, the miners forced to be here. We just thought that maybe just the family would be pulling up the luminescence. I'm very shocked to find you here. Well, I'm glad you did, Father. I'm glad you did. And he uh, pats your shoulder uh, weakly and then uh, starts shuffling his way towards Juliet to have his bonds removed. Personally, as a 10% stakeholder in this mine, I'd like to see some changes in the way it's run, (laughs) I say as I'm fixing up Clayton. (laughs) I got my full four hits. Doc Cyrus changes the configuration of his med kit and pulls out what looks like a, a sheet about 12 inches wide and uh, a few feet long. Uh, and when it detaches, he then wraps it around your abdomen, Clayton, and then uh, uh, pulls a tab on it and it squeezes your body and you feel your ribs get pushed back into position with this kind of like chest brace you got on and your Oof. critical injury is treated. Thanks, Doc. Anytime. Thanks for saving my life. You, Pops, Juliet, I did a damn fool thing out there, and I wouldn't be here if it weren't for you to back me up. Well, let's try to get these people out. While they're working on the shackles, I'm going to try to patch up my armor some. You can go ahead and uh, use up some machinery cubes and uh, roll machinery to patch up your armor. Meanwhile, uh, a man in his mid-twenties approaches Eliza, uh, who's like collecting the manacles as they're removed. And uh, she looks up and she goes, Stephen? And he nods and he goes, Ms. Valancourt? And she goes, they sent you down here too? And he goes, not just a they, Ms. Valancourt. I I feel I must tell you something. And Eliza's face like grows grim and she goes, and Stephen, uh, this this boy goes, it's your uncle, Miss Valancourt. He's he done all this. And Eliza stiffens just a little bit and goes, "Explain yourself, Mister Yang." And uh, Stephen kind of sits there sheepishly for a second and looks around at all of her companions with guns, and then seems to steal himself away and go. As you may recall, I was a mail carrier for your uncle. Uh, whenever he needed sensitive documents delivered uh, that he couldn't trust the LRCs for, he, he would send me along. And she goes, I recall. He goes, well, uh, about two years ago, I was instructed to deliver a letter to your father, uh, uh, Judge William Valancourt. And he wasn't home when I came, so as per the usual tenets of my job, I left the letter on his uh, desk for him to read later. That was the day your father died. Miss Eliza. Now, I, I wasn't particularly suspicious of the time and uh, of the timing. I mean, this was just me doing my normal duties. I was sad I didn't get to see your father one last time. He was a good man. Uh, tears begin to well up in Eliza's eyes. But shortly thereafter, when picking up some outgoing le- letters from the mayor's office, uh, I noticed that the fireplace had some scraps of paper that uh, were curled up and burnt. I was foolishly curious and I wanted to know what the mayor might have been trying to burn away. And well, I, I took a peek and it was, it was the worst mistake of my life. Miss Eliza. I, I scooped up the paper and uh, well, I could see fragments of a few lines written in, in your uncle's hand. Uh, I know it well, it was just pieces of information, but I remember it. And he kind of sits there for a second and like nods as if like, you know, viewing the image in his head. He goes, First line said, my niece could one day. Then, while Elizabeth trusts me, 
And then, as dreadful as it seems, and then the final line I could read was, remove her and I inherit. Well, that scared me, Miss Eliza. I, I, I didn't know what to do, and I, I kept the pages and I hid them in my bed sheets, and I tried the, my best to put it out of mind. I, I, I thought I couldn't talk to anyone about it. It was first I had broken, uh, broken the trust of my contractor, and then also it wasn't really nothing. I, I had no real information, and so I, I didn't try anything. I, and I, I didn't contact you, Miss Elizabeth, and well, that's the second worst mistake I ever made in my life. Instead, I, I couldn't quite shake it, and I concocted a, an asinine plan. And I spied on the mayor and learned the combination to his safe so I could access his journals. And well, I woke up early one day while everyone was still at bed, and I broke in and read the mayor's journals. It weren't too hard to get a key to the office, and I knew the combination. Uh, anyways... I found some pages, and what I found in them pages was troubling, and I tore them out so I could, I could expose the mayor, but his new hired guard, he glances towards the dead body, the dead family members nearby. I guess they were on to me or something. They, after I got out of bed, they rummaged through my things and found the pages, the burnt pages I had stored down there before I could do anything. They had a bag over my head and were carting me away to this here mine. I kept the pages, miss. I, I managed to smuggle them in. Ain't no one known. They've been up there in my bunk. He gestures towards uh, the ramshackle cubbies built up there. Been up there in my bunk, stuffed into the bed of my pillow. And, well, I should have acted sooner, miss. I, I could have prevented all this. Uh, Eliza doesn't have anything to say. Her mouth is just slightly open. Uh, tears are completely welling up in her eyes. I'll uh I'll uh, stand up. I'll walk over, put my hand on Stephen's shoulders. You brave boy, Stephen. Why don't you fetch those papers and we'll get you all out of here. I guess I'll like find a seat on like a rock or something next to uh, Eliza, and I'll say, "Hey, kid. I know this is probably a lot to process all at once, but I don't know if you know how lucky you are. You know." You're alive against the wishes of those who want you dead. You're the lawful owner of this mine. Your life is a revenge against all who wish to harm you. And you currently have on retainer the finest group of drifters on manifest. So let's put this right. How about... She like closes her mouth and you see her jaw tense and she blinks uh, the tears down her cheeks and she sits there for a second, like taking a slow breath and uh, Stephen returns with a handful of papers, uh, pages ripped out of the journal and Eliza uh, looks at it and says, I'm a fool, Dr. Finch. I'm a fool to not have taken you at your word. I'll never make that mistake again. Steven, I don't need to see those papers. And uh, she walks up to Juliet, her fists clenched, uh, but her eyes now dry. And she says, Ms. Hunt, I see now that Roy was right about you. 
I heard you. Uh, I heard what you were saying when you when you stepped out to fire on those men. And well, today's taught me one thing: that I don't know a damn thing about how to survive in this world. And Miss Hunt, if you'll have me, I'd love to learn to shoot like you. That's the way of things with people like you. Yeah, take on a uh, take on an apprentice, pass on the trade. It ain't easy and it ain't simple. I I can take you on, but let's get out of here first. We'll talk about it. After you've settled your responsibility to these people. Yeah. She nods, looks to Stephen, who kind of flinches at her look. And you see that, like, that hard anger that was in her face soften. And she goes, thank you, Mr. Yang, for telling me the truth. A truth I was too foolish to hear the first time. Well, in fairness to you, it's a lot more foolish to take me at my word than to not. (laughs) (laughs) And I can think of one legendary outlaw who's going to be real steamed up that his girl's going to be a gunslinger. (laughs) She gives a small smile at that and then uh, sniffs away the last of her her sadness and kind of straightens her back and goes, let's get these people the hell out of my mind. And that's where we'll end this session. This podcast has been brought to you by ENPC Productions. All rights reserved. The Essential NPCs podcast is affiliated with and specifically approved by Tommy Cotton. Manifest, the RPG, is property of Tommy Cotton. All rights reserved. For more information, go to www.manifesttherpg.com.